Well, hey there, Todd. Uh, great to be back with you again. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you, Rob. Thank you for having me back. Hey, you bet. Now, uh, this episode, though, Todd, I think this one's going to be a special one. It reminds me of this consulting book that I that I bought called uh, Getting Started in Consulting by Alan Weiss. And uh, he has a chapter called Establishing Fees. It's chapter number eight. And the opening sentence of that chapter is, those of you who have immediately turned to this chapter, welcome to my book. <laughs> and I'm thinking the same thing, Todd. When they see the list of episodes uh, about your life and times, they're going to see the lawsuit and they're going to come right to this episode. So uh, not only me, but I'm sure the thousands of listeners want to know what happened. Well, thank you, Rob. Um, this... Um... It's kind of a dovetail from the conclusion of our last episode. Um, the um, the Lowen lawsuit, as a matter of fact, I suspect if you looked at all of the uh, of, of the editions of the American Funeral Director, particularly the American Funeral Director, uh, Mortuary Management, Ron Hasthing. Uh, probably from the mid of 97 until June of 99, you would have a textbook about the Lowen lawsuit, uh, about the dust-up that happened in uh, Mississippi uh, between uh, two funeral companies down there and one which was owned by the Lowen Group. Now, before we get into that, um, it was um, it was an environment at Lowen that there was a sense that we we really were wearing the white hat uh, in acquisitions. Um, there were other uh, acquisitor companies, um, but Lowen kind of came on gangbusters in the mid 80s late uh, mid 80s and by by 90 by 97 you know we had uh, a thousand funeral homes in the united states a hundred up in canada and 500 cemeteries between the two countries uh, and it it just seemed as if they had the golden thread that they just couldn't miss on it. So the last episode, we were talking about some of the signals and some of the, uh, that we were all uh, culpable for, right? I mean, I'm certainly not trying to lead anyone to think that uh, hundreds of us were not involved with the decision makings and um, and and also expense accounts and and first class flights and travel and staying in a Marriott as the minimum stay, that was company policy uh, for years. Uh, but by the late '90s, and then uh, this lawsuit pops up. But before we get in the lawsuit, there were other issues that came up. There was a there was a nebulous uh, a, a business plan with a major religious denomination 
in the United States that that looked, I guess it looked good on paper. Um, you know, um, there was this uh, very great attraction to uh, making deals. And I, and I have to say, I think I mentioned it in the last episode. Um, at the beginning of it, Ray Lowen was just on top of, he was a great deal maker. Um, and he kind of had that, that Midas touch, he kind of had that predictable entrepreneurial psychology that he would uh, have his counselors around him and they would all tell him one thing and then Ray would just do what he wanted to do to, and, and his decision worked out. And that's something I learned that entrepreneurs have in common is they have this kind of, uh, streak of luck that people that they're hiring are telling them one thing and then but they see a, something much different and they make the decision and prove to be accurate now the other side of entrepreneurship is, is that let, that luck runs out at the end time and if you haven't uh, got a solid operational foundation uh, when the luck runs out then the foundation uh, runs out. And I think in a way that is what happened at Lowen. Uh, but then you add to this, this religious organization that we were trying to get involved with doing funerals through the church. And there was some nefarious stuff going on that, that really didn't um, hit much of the funeral press. Uh, I think part of the reason was it was a religious group, and so it was kind of hands-off, but that took a toll, right? There was a bunch of issues that came up with that. But then the lawsuit um, um, came up in Mississippi. And for those of you who are interested, you can Google the Lowen lawsuit and there's ample information about what happened, what led up to it. It was a contractual dispute. Um, and what I remember most about it was almost this invincible attitude of denial that we would never, ever lose this lawsuit. Um, and what I also remember uh, that looking back at it was, you know, I guess kind of sad in a way is that, uh, and don't hold me to this number, but the other individual involved with the lawsuit, there was an offer made to settle the thing for $8 million. And I remember the, the, the fallout of that was that people were highly insulted, they were highly offended, and um, and the the the, um, the gossip around the office was was that's blood money, and that we're never ever going to pay eight million dollars, and so it um, went from bad to worse, um, and I remember 
when the rumor and the story, not the rumor, was that it was going to go to a jury trial. Now, if I knew then what I know now, uh, and and assuming people would have listened, um, I've never seen much good come out of a funeral home, private or corporation, involved with a jury trial. Um, there tends to be this sympathetic attitude toward juries to uh, bereaved people, which is totally understandable. But it went to a jury trial, and the jury trial is going to be in Mississippi. And I remember there was consternation by that time that this was really serious stuff and that a jury trial was only going to make the company more vulnerable than what it already was. Now, by this time, we had been missing our earnings report on the quarterly earnings with uh, Wall Street and Bay Street. So by this time, the stock was already on, uh, I wouldn't say shaky ground, but it wasn't as strong as it once was. I think the, I think the uh, strike, uh, the market price, was a high of like forty-three dollars a share, and by this time it was hovering in the mid-thirties, and so everybody's nervous now about the stock, um, and so the jury trial. I remember, I remember. Uh, the NFDA convention was at, uh, in um, uh, Orlando, Florida. And at the night of the Lowen cocktail party, some of your listeners will remember going to the Lowen cocktail party. Um, it was first class stuff. There was no doubt. And it was a great time. I think everybody enjoyed themselves tremendously, but at that cocktail party is when we got the news that Lowen had lost the lawsuit and that then it came on the heels of that, that the damages that the court was awarding was $500 million. Now that number is very significant because in 1998, that was the entire gross revenues of the company for one calendar year. So the, the punishment was $500 million. Um, it was like a pall fell over this uh, company. Um, it just seemed to be in rapid motion of the deterioration of the company. So NFDA was in October, October, November, December, then, then that's 98. So uh, January starts out and then decisions are made to close the Cincinnati office. Um, they're starting to let people go. We'd already talked last time about this interesting thing called Ray Days where the company uh, was asking the employees to work a day for free. And I don't know about anybody's experience when management fiddles with people's payroll, but that is not a morale builder. And so 
by June of that year of 99, um, they had done an audit on a bunch of uh, people, internal audits, uh, and now it was time for fiscal uh, constraints. Uh, you know, the, the first class flights were over, the staying in uh, for uh, Marriott's was uh, over. And then in this uh, springtime, uh, just into the summertime, they had a meeting at the Prince Edward Hotel in Toronto. And, and this was kind of a showstopper because uh, the board of directors alone, uh, which had some heavy hitters on it. And uh, one, one was a, prime, a former prime minister of Canada, uh, John Turner, who just, just died. Uh, a, a, a Bruce Humphrey's place uh, did his funeral, uh, Kim Hunter up in Toronto. Um, he was on the board of directors. And uh, Harold Hughes, who was the United States Senator or former Senator from my home state, Iowa, was on the board. So there were some heavy hitters. But as um, Harold Hughes told me one time on the telephone, because he and I were had become good friends because we were both Iowans, you know, he said that, um, he said, I don't know why I was even on the board, right? Because uh, nobody listened to anybody. And so, you know, you had that, that feeling uh, that the board was not functioning properly either. But at that meeting at the Prince Edward Hotel, then they, they um, asked Ray Lowen to resign, which was a stunner for the company, right? Because he was, he was the center of the company. Uh, but it, but it, looking back at it, I, I, I mean, to be fair about it, I was in Cincinnati and I was in my apartment and they called and said that they'd uh, basically forced Ray's uh, resignation. So it, it went on um, and then the, they, uh, they um, had uh, Jeff Kajner, uh was uh, elevated as president of Lowen. Uh, before Kajner, uh, Ray's right-hand man, Bob Lundgren, who was a very, very bright man. I always enjoyed working with Bob. He was kind of the chief financial officer out in, in Vancouver. But then, you know, it just, it went, the name got changed to Alterwoods. And then within not too much longer, um, SCI uh, picked up uh, all the stock um, and they did their um, FTC uh, antitrust uh, stuff of what locations they were going to spin off. And, um, and, and what's interesting, Rob, is that the other day, I think I mentioned this already, I was doing a program and I mentioned the Lowen group and the whole group looked at me like deers in a headlight. And there was probably 30 funeral directors in the group and not one of them had ever heard of the Lowen group. So it kind of is an indication about memory and what goes on. Now, because I've got a lot more years behind me now and I've got in front of me and I don't have to edit everything that comes out of my mouth at this age, 
I think the epitaph on the Lowen group would be this. It didn't have to happen. It was totally avoidable. And I'm not pointing any fingers because I had a healthy expense account and I flew all over the world uh, and I'm not ungrateful to that. But looking back at it now, uh, 25 years later, uh, since its um, demise, uh, it was avoidable. We, we did have some of the finest funeral homes in Canada and the United States as members of that organization. And so um, what does one say about the end of the Lowen Group? I think the Lowen Group, the leadership became disconnected to the value, purpose, and benefit of funeral service excellence. I think that they became disconnected and, and all, and I have to say this with all candor, at the end, there were so few funeral people in the, in the office of the management of the company that, that the attitude was, was from the new people I detected and others detected it also, that the funeral directors were the problem, uh, that they weren't managing properly, um, et cetera, which of course I disagreed with absolutely totally because, you know, how can you manage uh, when you, the bumper of the hearse has fallen off and they won't give you money to buy a new hearse? Or how can you manage when the wallpaper is coming off the ceiling and you don't have money to repair? So personally, because I worked with hundreds of location managers in the Lowing Group, I take my hat off to them because I think without the, without the devotion, dedication, and expertise of the location managers in Lowen and also the worker people, the, the, the funeral directors and embalmers who were killing themselves to get these funerals done with a level of excellence and with crummy equipment, right? And with, with the lack of support um, that, that without them, I think the Lowen group would have folded up much earlier, right? I think it was the worker, worker people, the funeral directors in the vineyard that kept the Lowen uh, ship afloat for, for as long as it did. So I would never, ever criticize the staff funeral directors of Lowen because they, they were up against it, there's no doubt. And I had hundreds of conversations with them and felt utterly helpless to do anything to assist them because, you know, I, I felt the way, I felt exactly the way that they did. Um, and so, you know, it was a sad chapter, um, <clears throat> but also I think the other corporations took a playbook from that on what not to do, right? Uh, that you don't need to have a yacht and you don't need to have helicopters and you don't need to be uh, the big flash in the pan uh, in order to have a solid funeral company. Uh, so 
that's about the, the long and the short of it with the Lowen lawsuit. I, the, and I'm going to say this very honestly. What, in the end, what amazes me about it is that none, nobody in the Lowen group took their life, their own life over what happened. There, there were funeral directors that took their sale in stock, right? They took, they didn't take cash. They took stock in the company and they lost everything. And nobody took their life over that. Now, at most everybody listening to this will know that in our careers, we, we know of people that have taken their life over a much less loss. Uh, than what happened with the Loma Group. So I think that's another complimentary testimony to the resilience of the local staff funeral directors and the staff of the funeral home, that they were able to navigate this against all odds. And now most of the Lowen firms, of course, have been acquired by SCI. And, um, you know, SCI is a well-run company. Um, and the word that I get from my friends in the field is they treat their people very well and, and that tend, they tend to business. Uh, so, so anyway, that's, that's, the, uh, that's my account of, of what happened at Lowen uh, 20, 22 years later. Well, well, thanks, Todd. And it's, again, always, it's great to hear the details and the insights that you provide because most of us, if we were around, just kind of heard the headlines and, and that, and um, you, know, you share more of the, the deeper reasons why and what could have maybe prevented it. So uh, thanks for that. And I think lots of people will, will like listening to your account of, of the situation. So where, where are we going to go next, Todd? Well, interestingly, once Lowen went down, I was out of a job and I resigned. I did. I resigned my job because, look, the politics of it were so toxic at that time that all the old guard was going to go one way or the other. And so I could see it coming. And so I resigned um, and then... I needed a job, and so the job—I <laughs> mean, this is strange—the job that came up was to be the head of the mortuary school program that I graduated from in Boston. So I moved back to Boston 38 years after I graduated from mortuary school, and that'd be the next segment of this. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Thanks for this, Todd. You bet, and thank you, Rob.